No, it's not scratchy at all. It's not a little bit, like, in no, here? No, no. I'm going to talk like this. I think this is a correct I feel volume. like if you put your hand on my throat, it will I'm not fall. touching your throat. That makes me cringe even thinking about it. Why? <clears throat> I hate my throat being touched. Touch mine to see if it's mm. raspy. Nope. Lovey honey ain't going to do it. <laughs> Friends of the Outer Worlds. <laughs> that is a horrible intro. You, can you do better? Hello, Friends of the Outer Worlds. <laughs> I don't know. You do better. I do better. No, you. I'm not claiming you do better. I do better at I'm everything. Cha- no, I'm a male. <laughs> challenging you to do better. Do it. Do a better intro. <laughs> this is textbook atypical. Hey, that's kind of cute. Yeah, you'll leave that in. Probably. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. This is textbook atypical. We are going along with the mining town theme <laughs> that was established in episode two of Bisbee and going to the scintillatingly interesting community of Riddle, Oregon. Now, one of us was born near Riddle and might have some relatives there still. So, I think she probably knows a lot about the area. Do you know anything about Riddle? I was going to do like a fake cat meow, like our cat's from Riddle. Our cat's not from Riddle. No, our cat's an Arizona cat. Um, yes. Riddle (coughs) is a really small rural community uh, just south of Roseburg, Oregon. That probably means nothing to anyone who doesn't know anything about Oregon. Roseburg, Oregon is on Interstate 5. It's about an hour south of Eugene, Oregon. Eugene, Oregon is the town with the University of Oregon and the infamous Ducks. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Where we uh, went to school, actually. Right. So this puts Riddle about three hours south of Portland. Mm-hmm. And on, uh, just off of Interstate 5 as well. A little bit more... Um, to the west, closer to the Cascade Mountains. Just a little bit, though. Oh, uh, the coastal range. Yeah, Sorry. just by a few miles. Right. Yeah, but um, it's pretty much on Interstate 5. About two hours north of the California border. It's a big chunk of land. It's it's in Douglas County. Douglas County is a huge county in Oregon. Oregon has the tendency of making colossal counties because there's just not that many people. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, and the, typically the counties that capture I-5 also stretch all the way to the coast. Yeah, so, so Douglas stretch. County runs from the coast all the way uh, into the middle of the Cascade Mountains. Yeah. Far, far into the inland of the state. Anyways, <sighs> that part's not really that interesting. No. <laughs> but um, there will be whatever Evan's talking about, I have no idea. And a really, really sad, technically unsolved murder... Oh, and boy. then a funny little ending that'll be a small little paranormal thing just to be a cheer up after this murder because <laughs> I remember this murder as a kid and it haunted a lot of us for a lot of years. So it's kind of sensitive to talk about because everyone in my community was really close to it. So we'll need a little kind of giggle afterwards, I guess. But be less funny this time just because this one... Literally hits, quote-unquote, close to home. And there's no cricket team. And that's devastating Just terrifying. Yeah. No sports teams really at all. Yeah, that's that compares with the terrifying 
reality of a young yep. girl kidnapped. Absolutely. Absolutely. Damn. Anyway. No cricket. That's why we're drinking whiskey tonight. No cricket and teenage murder. Oh, God. <laughs> Life's okay. two most tragedies. So, um, Riddle is obviously a pretty weird name. It usually makes lists of, like, weird town names, especially in Oregon. Really? Oregon is home to, like, all of the weirdest town names in the U.S. There's Boring, Oregon. Boring. You Paris, have... London. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but that's, that's common. Like, I just, know. like, Lebanon, Christmas Tennessee. Valley. Yeah, all the Indian names are pretty... Um, like, Clackamas is kind of weird. Yahats is pretty weird. Oh, I never thought about it. There's some interesting Native American names. Tons, yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Rice Hell. Hell. That's in Michigan. No, we're talking about Oregon right now. Excuse oh, I was just me. thinking of, like, weird town names. <laughs> Excuse me. I like Hell, Michigan. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of strange... Uh, Drain, Oregon is not too far from Riddle, actually. It's just up the road. Yeah, right by Yonkala. <laughs> yeah, like 35 miles south of Eugene is Drain. Uh, it's a cute little A lot town. of my family lives in Drain. I don't know if you knew that. I no, I didn't. I biked there a bunch. All the five people that live there, about a fifth of them are my family. So <laughs> even Glide is kind of a weird name. Yeah, also lived there. where you went to high school. Yeah, so, yeah. there's a lot. Coos Whistler's Bend. It's um, not yeah. weird. I just no, like but it. that's kind of a long name. I mean, yeah. it's very. These are very names indicative. Idlewild, of like... Wild, Tokety. Idlewild's actually also uh, in Michigan. Really? There's an Idlewild. Idlewild's no. Just what am here. I thinking of? No, I was thinking of Inter- Idlewild is a big music festival in Southern California. Mm. Yeah, now it's vomit. <laughs> um, Southern California puke. So basically, dude was named William Riddle. Came out. He was from Springfield, oh. Illinois. Just oh. like everybody, it Thought seems. You meant Springfield, Oregon. No, 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 no. He was. He brought his family in three wagons um, across Cute. America to. Oregon in eight, pretty early. Until he found a town with his name. Well, he settled in <laughs> Cow Creek Valley. Right, which Cow Creek runs through Riddle. Mm-hmm. And then from there it kind of uh, started, of course, getting more settlers. Uh, Joe Knott came in. There's a lot of stuff named Knott in the area. Uh, also in Eugene. Like, yeah, I was a pretty big settler. Did Joe Is come in? Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> So basically, you have standard sort of. Uh, um, Are you bleeding? I am bleeding. What I don't is that? Know why? Why is your li- Evan just was- my leg. Mm. on what? I don't know. Life. Evan ripped his toenail off yesterday, and he sent me pictures. Oh, what can I say? I'm a real mountain man out here. I was you thinking about off- Riddle. You ripped it off in your music studio with your string instrument. That's like a mountain man thing. Well, I ripped off my own toenail with my bare hands. I think that counts. No, I think that it got ripped off by what landed on it, and you just... Whoa, 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 whoa. You're making my toenail hurt. All right, all right. Let me get back to the story. Um, So really, we have the standard um, situation for all sort of settling homesteading that occurred across all of Oregon and Washington um, in the mid-1800s. Pretty small, pretty quiet. God, I can't imagine how fucking rough it would be out there. It's I mean, rough now. <laughs> I mean, it's rough now and like... It's very rural out there. Like, my the people I know who live there, 
don't get internet kind of rough. Like it's right, and it's 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 like at that time period too. You had no connectivity to the rest of the world, and the bugs are fucking big. Well, at least it's not Alaska. Um, at least it's not here. That's with true. Scorpions or Australia, but so basically, we what really knocked the town into some degree of existence was the Southern Pacific Railroad in 1881, expanded its terminus from Roseburg to Riddle. Now, this was obviously a big deal. Uh, it led the town to grow a little bit in population and opened up the town, of course, like we mm-hmm. see in all of yeah, these small yeah. communities. The railroad is everything. Um, I wanted to food? note. Sorry. I wanted to note that. Wait a minute. Did you once talk about someone in a blue or yellow suit on a railroad? What are you talking about? <laughs> is that really weird deja vu? No. I don't know why I said that. Okay, you're a little okay, sorry. Um, eight, 1956, the last passenger train passed through Riddle. Uh, sorry, 1956. And 1978, the last train, period, passed Aww. through Riddle. So I think that is kind of indicative of the death of the, the town. Um, and then, of course, in the 80s, um, everything really got pretty grim. The mine closed. We didn't even talk about what the mine was. How oh, we're getting went. in. We're gonna get that. Closed, oh. <laughs> mine closed in 1987, and okay. since then, uh, well, it's reemerging. So let's talk about this mine. Um, you the can mine, see it from my sister's house. Yeah, the mine is huge. It's uh, beautiful. Nickel, nickel, nickel. Back. Um, oh my god. Uh, 1865 <laughs> was when it discovered. They thought it was tin. That's pretty common. Uh, tin and copper. Come out in a greenish ore, so was they nickel. No, but they and thought. Why do they think it well, was tin? Be, uh, they thought it was tin. Okay, fine, fair. I would have thought it was fucking. I don't know. I wouldn't have known what it was. So fine. Gray rock. I'm gonna make that a lot of gray rock. I'm like a British, like Neanderthal. Yeah, basically. <laughs> of course, honey. Um, so they sent off the sample. They kind of said, "Hey, it's nickel," and so this was awesome because. Uh, they were like red, dude. <laughs> yes. I didn't know this, up. but like America was super reliant on uh, Canada for all of its nickel. Dumb Canucks. What are things you do with nickel? That's a great question. Make nickels? I feel what like I should know make, this. I, it's pretty, it's make, pretty... Why were we... Like, how much... It's pretty soft. I know, but how much did we need nickel? Like, what were we using it for in the 1800s? <sighs> I feel like <laughs> nickel. I spelled nickel wrong when I was searching for it. I spelled it Nicola. 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 I like it. Um, what is nickel used for? Yeah, see, everybody's like, what the fuck is this used for? Um, used for making stainless steel and other corrosion-resistant alloys. So uh, they used it for, like, pots and shit. Tubing made of copper and nickel alloys, extensively used in making desalination plants for converting seawater into fresh water. Oh. Um, nickel is very strong and resistant to corrosion. Yeah. Okay. So I'm guessing pots, tea kettles. I mean, think about the things they... I don't historically they... know what it would have well, been Well, I know, but for. think about what they would need in the 1800s in a rural area. Like, that's being settled. They'd probably need... No, I'm, but I don't know why Nails. the U.S. was whoppingly importing it. Oh, of course. I should have thought of this. Brass. Uh, you need you need brass. So trumpets. 
Yeah, just trumpets. <laughs> Essentially, we... <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, high silver polishes as well. So, the, so the U.S. I mean, brass is pretty And any important. fine kind of... So, yeah. they would have been import. The U.S. would have been importing it from, from brass. Can- okay. From Canada. So, right. So, at, with the, in, the advent of the mine, it was mass-producing nickel. By about 1882, they were doing big, giant cuts into the ground, just pulling out as much as they could. Uh, it was sold in 1908 to the Hana... Company from Cleveland, and then into the Hannah. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. It's company. the Hannah Nickel Mine. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, they uh, ran it pretty successfully from the 1908 onwards. It was uh, then used by the Defense Materials Procurement Agency in the 1950s. Because Wasn't that the largest nickel mine in the country? It was by far the largest nickel mine, one of the largest mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. Um, and it, every Christmas it gets a little snow right at the top of it. You can see it in the distance out there. Beautiful. It is beautiful. Uh, it closed in 1987. Yeah. Um, so, real quick, modern day Riddle. Mm-hmm. It's coming back, baby. Riddle is back. I don't think it's Riddle back is me. back with a bam. I've that been is there the, and it's not it back. It is booming. It is booming. Okay. It's, it's not booming. It's trying no. to boom. Well, that's nice. A lot of small so the city. Are. The city is trying to. I mean, this is very similar for all of Southern Oregon. It's really trying to capitalize on the uh, wine. Yeah, as it should. The, the, I mean, it's the right location to grow grapes. Hey, man! It looks like Italy out there. The hills are rolling. It's sunny. It's in the banana belt, which means it doesn't rain a shit ton, but it's yeah. warm. Italy might be a stretch, but as far as natural landscape, it looks it's similar. Similar, yeah. The culture isn't there. Obviously, okay. <laughs> the language isn't there, obviously, but when you think about those rolling golden hills that are pretty toasty, some rain, not a ton, it looks a little bit like an Italian painting. Yeah, yeah, I get that. That is true. That is yeah. true. I, you any... know, you don't want to believe that because you're like, <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine mentally Italian, but whoa, 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 <laughs> I am Italian. One. Do I? I don't see any crooners going on about Riddle, but you know we'll give it to them. Um, no, I didn't so the city that. is thinking that they're going to get five thousand jobs, considering there's like only a couple hundred people who live there. But I love that five thousand circle too. Like it's, not that's fifty, five thousand. So they're going to get five thousand jobs okay. for wineries. Uh, can they hire me? I would love to work there. Well, we're more whiskey people and beer, but we could we could Gotta we could somewhere. We could go over for the grape. Um, so, so they, they, yeah, the city kind of thinks they're going to get a lot of jobs from. So, are they uh, opening a vineyard? I mean, there's already vineyards around. Yeah, are they opening more? Are they, they, they I open? just said that the city thinks this. I don't think the city is opening a state run. I don't think there. Well, no, but I don't think there's a vineyard in Riddle. There's a lot near there. Yeah, that's what I mean. City limits are pretty wide. Yeah, the town doesn't have one, but around it, there's a lot of wineries. So they're assuming that they're going to get, you People know, economic stimulus. Yeah, they're hoping yeah. for wine tourism. Southern Oregon is obviously the new Napa Valley. As Napa Valley gets too hot and turns into the next desert, <laughs> Phoenix. Thank you, global warming, giving Oregon's agriculturally viable options. Anyways, <laughs> um, I digress, and they're actually using the nickel mine again for what? Processing sand products. So another industrial mining usage. So they're they're sand blasting shit. I'm not super sure. I didn't really look into it. I'm assuming that's something to do with just heavy industrial usage of. Are they creating sand blasting? Maybe. 
I don't know. We can sit here and speculate all night, but I'm going to say it's probably not Sandman. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of it on the town. I mean, like I say, they're trying to repurpose the mine into How different industrial. How many people industrial. live in Rydal? Uh, I don't have the exact population numbers but right now, but cur- the highest it had, um, oh, I wrote uh, 1,245. About the same as Glide. Yeah, yeah, at the highest in the 60s. There also should be said that, like, uh, you know, obviously timber. I was just Timber and say, mills is everything. Mills are now... I mean, so big in Riddle. If you live in Riddle, it's not too far off to think that you work at the mill, your husband works at the mill, your cousin, your brother, you know, somebody works at the mill that you know. Um, There are a variety of mills. Uh, Lumber is a really, really big staple in the community, particularly since the closing of the Hannah Nickel Mine in the 80s. Like, I mean, it's Oregon. Like... (laughs) That's what, so that's what it is. It's current lumber. population is uh, 1,180. Yeah. Yeah. The, it has six sawmills currently running, yeah. and that's kind of the lifeblood. Yeah. I don't think that number is going to go up by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it's going to go down. Not recently. Like, no, not soon, I, think, I mean. I think the lumber industry in Oregon's kind of stabilized for the most yeah. part. We've kind of reached... You take one, you grow one. Yeah, we've, we've reached... I think Oregon's on... I, I, I for one, am pretty... Happy with the way Oregon has handled its uh, lumber industry. In, you in continue to replenish the forests. And yeah. They, they give to you and you get back to them. It's working pretty yeah. well. And yeah, the way BLM and mm-hmm. Warehouser have worked out deals and mm-hmm. public use of land is pretty good. I mean, look, we're not the Amazon. We're not clear cutting and just burning. No, 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 of course not. I think no. Oregon is aware. But, you know, again, I think a lot of people have pretty strong opinions about this issue and think one way or the other about it and I don't know I think you and I fall right in the middle of the spectrum and think that the government has done a pretty good job at keeping an eye on the situation I think in comparison to other situations that are similar Oregon has done a good job um we're well, still think getting... about where you want to get trees Pacific yeah yeah there's still really really good trees out yeah. there and trees that didn't suffer the way uh European trees have in terms of like talking quality lumber um, for high, high, high-end stuff. There's a burgeoning industry there, so I think it's reinventing itself. Uh, and also in the reclaimed lumber industry, like Oregon's pretty good about working in reclaiming lumber, and that's another way to use those old mills. And I digress. So on that note, why don't you uh, get into your this tragic, <laughs> tragic story that I'm in so... Ugh. Okay. I got like a stomach cramp just thinking about it, but there's a girl named Stephanie Condon, and she was 14 in 1998, so in 1998 I was 7. Yeah, she would have been in her 30s now. Stephanie Condon was from Riddle. This kind of, this absolutely, I was going to say kind of, but absolutely breaks my heart because obviously I have quite a few family members in Riddle, um, many of them young girls. And she lived right in the quote-unquote heart of Riddle. Um, She disappeared in 1998 on October 30th. So she was, she lived in Riddle. She was babysitting for her cousin Cheryl. Her cousin Cheryl was in her 20s. Stephanie was 14. She was a sophomore at Riddle High. She was in track. She was in volleyball. Um, She... Had a 
pretty good GPA, 3.7. She was blonde hair, blue eyes, just a really typical rural Oregon kind of girl. The, the disappearance is strange. This case is not unsolved. It's closed. Um, but I would call it unsolved because there was no justice. And to me, a case with no justice is just as good as being unsolved. Okay. Um, not just as good, but anyway. So she disappeared. She was babysitting for her cousin Cheryl. Her cousin Cheryl had two twin-year-old children. They were two years old. Stephanie babysat for her all the time. Okay. She would go over to the house. She was very responsible. She would watch the twins. She'd stay the night. She'd go to school the next day or go back home, depending on the day of the week. So she was babysitting. She was at her cousin Cheryl's house. She was there by herself with the two-year-old twins, the babies. Cheryl got home at 1.30 in the morning to relieve, quote-unquote, uh, What did Stephanie. Cheryl do? I don't know where Cheryl was at at this time. Um, I don't know if she had went out with friends or if she was working. I'm assuming she was working, but that's a speculation. But the nickel mine. She wasn't working there. This was 1998. I think she worked at maybe the Riddle store or something. Like okay. That. Something like that. I don't know. One of the four businesses. Yeah, I made, I made that up. I don't know where she worked. <laughs> but anyways, so she gets home at 1.30 in the morning. Stephanie was planning on staying the night. She brought her toothbrush. She brought clothes for the next day, her purse, um, some essentials. The next day was Halloween. Um, Spooky. She gets home at 1.30 in the morning. Cheryl does, and Stephanie's not in the house. Uh, the babies no. are asleep, the two-year-olds. They're there. They're fine. Stephanie's gone. Stephanie's purse is in the house. Stephanie's shoes are in the house. Stephanie's toothbrush, all of her belongings are in the house. Okay. Stephanie's not there. She calls Stephanie's parents, Marty and Christine, um, early in the morning and says, the kids are here, Stephanie's not here. Okay. There was no sign of forced entry. Nothing was moved. Nothing okay. was awry. Except the fact that Stephanie's belongings were there and Stephanie was not. Okay. That's the last time anyone saw Stephanie was the two-year-olds, which maybe they know what happened. They were two. There's no way you could ever rely on a two-year-old testimony. Most parents, obvious statement of the night. <laughs> yeah. You can, Let, no, but you can. interrogate some two-year-olds. No, you can rely on a four- or five-year-old's testimony. They do. Three-year-olds even. That makes me lose some degree of faith in the criminal justice system. No, because typically young children like that won't lie if they don't know there's something to lie about. If you're just in a conversation, they'll typically tell you what happens. Uh, Okay. But they get confused with dreams. They get confused with thoughts. So it's like you have to take it with a grain of salt. But they'll typically... Small children will tell you what happened. Okay. Yeah. There is actually a case that was solved... Um, where a girl who was four years old saw her dad wrap her mom up in a bo- in a carpet and take her out, and when she was interrogated, when that she sounds five, like a fun game. she like explained it. They said, "Where's your mom?" And she said, "She uh, she's not here." And they said, "Well, where is she? She lives somewhere else. Where does she live? She lives in the carpet because children don't have a way to explain that. So she just." Now she lives in there. She was trying to be a taquito. Come on, Sarah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not funny. Anyway, that's a different story. Taquito but, um, mom. Taquito mom. No, Evan. Okay, so no signs of fourth century. She was just gone. Obviously, they began like a police investigation. Sure. Reporters missing. She was like... She wasn't known to be like a partier to invite people over. Like, she was known to be pretty responsible so it wouldn't make sense that she would have left. She made okay. this out all the time. She would she wouldn't have left the house. 
she had $700 in her personal savings account from, like, babysitting, you know, and doing different little odd jobs. That was untouched. So it's not like she ran away. She didn't bring a purse. I mean, excuse me, anything like that. So her family was a military family that had moved to Riddle. Her dad was in, uh, he was a cryptographer in the Cold War for 20, and in the military for 20 years. Okay. And when he retired, they moved to Riddle because it was a quiet, like, small community. Maybe he figured he can get away from the Russians. I bet the Russians did this. Putin! Putin on the Ritz. Get him over here. <laughs> Line five. <laughs> put him on. You need to speak to him. They put out uh, flyers. Uh-huh. They put out billboards. I remember the billboards as a kid. There was a billboard in Roseburg for probably <sighs> ten years. Up near the railroad tracks. Um, in one of the main uh, arteries of town. With her face, Stephanie Conman missing... Uh, reward, $20,000 reward, which okay. that came later. But anyways, eventually the FBI got involved, America's Most Wanted got involved, TV shows like Without a Trace um, did the story. This went unsolved for years and years and years. This was 1998. I'm going to talk a little bit about stuff that happened in the middle, but nothing happened really substantially until 2009 okay. with the case, which was when I was a senior in high school. So we had, years. Yeah, 11 years that that billboard was up for... A large chunk of that. And you saw Stephanie's face every single fucking day driving down that Garden Valley Boulevard. Like, it was terrifying for people. Um, so, like I said, no signs of first century, blah, blah, blah. Well, this man named Dale Wayne Hill lived in uh, Myrtle Creek, which is near there. And he was named as the main suspect days after okay. she went missing. He was, um, he was 28 years old at the time. He lived in the area. Myrtle Creek is right near Riddle. It's like another, it's called the Tri-City area, and it's these three little dinky cities that are all in a Tri-City kind of area and are all together. Myrtle Creek is one of them. Um, Dale Wayne Hill denied, absolutely denied all involvement. He had a couple kids that lived in Florida with his ex, um, I think wife, I'm not sure, but anyways. He had just been arrested on an unrelated robbery and burglary charge. So he had had a little record of burglary, breaking okay. an entry. Um, one time he stole a woman's pair of underwear, burglary charge. Oh. Now we know what burglary is. So he had now done a couple. getting a little fishy. He had done a couple questionable things. He was seen at the. Um, He's just not hitting the pawn shops. Yeah. He's going a little weirder than pawn shops. A little weirder, yeah. He, um, he was an acquaintance with Cheryl. Stephanie's okay. cousin. So, somebody said that they saw him at the house, stopped by the house that night. Canoodling around. That he had went to the house. I guess that wasn't because he was an acquaintance of Cheryl. That wasn't totally uncommon for him to stop by. So, I don't know if he had stopped by thinking, you know, hey, I'm going to see if Cheryl's around. And she wasn't left. Or if he had involvement. Okay. Anyways, he was at, he was the main suspect. Um, the detective in the area, Joe Perkins at the time, he said that there was evidence that pointed to him, but he wouldn't ever, he never said what that evidence was. All right. So he's making so it up. He could be making it up. However, somebody did say that they saw Dale, Dale Wayne Hill okay. stop by the house that night. Who said that? I don't know. Okay. There, I read a ton of news articles. It was unclear where that information came from. All right. So, so shoddy, he may have shoddy by. witness testimony. He may, have st- he may have came by. He may not have, but he was an acquaintance of Cheryl. Okay. So if he did stop by even though, that could have made sense if he wanted to see Cheryl. Because he was about Cheryl's age. So it would have made sense they were friends. Okay. Anyway. 
he um he actually even though he was the main suspect um he after the burglary and the the robbery that happened in Myrtle Creek he did elsewhere um he was convicted for that actually uh and he got a felony charge for the robbery aside from the case so he went to prison for six years after that after he was charged, he, he was named the main suspect and charged with robbery. He tried to commit suicide okay. a month after she went missing. Did he succeed? Um, no. He did not succeed. He called his children to say goodbye. He really tried. It did not work. Uh, I don't know what he did. It was unclear. What a loser. His house was searched to see any evidence of Stephanie. Sure. Nothing was found. Okay. At all. All right. Um... The family at this point, this is all happening within a few months around the Christmas season. They bought, they were sure, they were sure Stephanie was going to come home. They didn't think she ran away, but they just had like all this hope. They bought her Christmas presents that year. They left them under the tree. I remember there being news stories like, oh, she'll come home, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Of course, she didn't. (laughs) Um, So Dale Wayne Hill's in prison now for six years. Uh, this is 1998, so that goes on for the next six years. Nothing happens. The case is cold. It's not, it's, it's an active case. Like they're waiting on something, but they're not. Right. They don't have any leads at this point. It's just kind of sitting there. Right, right, right. It's a cold case. So 2007, the FBI gets involved. Um, them and a private party that was unnamed offers a $20,000 reward. Okay. Or anything, anyone knows with the Stephanie Condon case, nothing comes out of that. At all. Literally nothing. <laughs> Two years after that, when I was a senior in high school, big, 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 big groundbreaking news story, like got goosebumps thinking about it, Stephanie Condon's body was found. It was found by a dog and a man walking the dog. This man walked trails with his dog all the time in Glide, Oregon. This is significant because Glide, Oregon is my stomping grounds as a um, kid. It's about... 40, the location she was found is about an hour drive northeast of Riddle. It's up past Roseburg. It's 15 miles east of Roseburg. And then the road they found her on, I know very well, is about another 20 minutes east of, yeah, southeast-ish. You, like, go around a loop. Uh, She was found on an old logging road that was closed and no longer in use. This logging road was across the street from my best friend's house growing up. So we constantly walked those, not that logging road particularly, we walked like down to the river and that was up into the woods a little bit, but we walked those roads many summers, many days. Um, So it should be noted real quickly, Yes. as somebody who rides his bike on logging roads, that in Oregon there's a system of logging roads throughout almost all uh, forest land Mm -hmm. in the entire state. It's a system that is extremely well done. It's meant to... And complicated. It's very complicated. It's not only meant to just log, but uh, we call them logging roads, but they're National Forestry Development Roads. And you wouldn't go up there. Right, right. You can drive. Yeah. I mean, Billy Bob and Booger's driving Well, and people time. get lost up there in their yeah, cars right. thinking it's a shortcut. It's not. They're not made for cars to just take to destination. Right. It depends on, on, of course, the road. There's some artery ones. They're numbered mm-hmm. on two, three, and four number systems. Oh, I didn't so. know that. Uh, the lower numbered ones with two numbers are uh, heavily trafficked and and usually in pretty good shape. The three ones are similar, um, at least in the coastal range where I uh, ride. And, and this is the not Cascades. near the coast. This is about 
an hour and a half inland. A lot of them, if they were... The logging road Stephanie was found on. So if it was closed, then they don't maintain it, and it gets reclaimed by the forest pretty quickly, but you Mm -hmm. can still find the road. Um, A lot of them still are maintained, but like Sarah says, they're not... Closed, you can go on them. But they're not kept. They're dangerous, and people get lost on them. Yeah, you shouldn't wander out there unless you know where the fuck you're going Mm -hmm. and you own a... Uh, geological survey map, which you can purchase, and, and then sometimes you can go an off road car. They get they. Yeah, not you need packed. you need a, you need a jeep. Yeah. It is nice to have, especially if they've been riveted out. Um, they are usually they are often used um, as hiking trails when you do live near the area or know a specific logging road. Fine. Um, would, that's what this man was doing. He was out walking his dog. Um, I guess he had been on that trail before, but his dog like sniffed out. Um, Found the corpse. She wasn't a corpse. She was well, bone. bone. Um, but but I think he realized. Was she buried? Mm, or just out there. Shallow grave. Shallow. Grave, yeah. Shallow. Um, I believe. They. I think what happened. This might be assumption, but he saw it and realized. Um, this isn't a deer carcass. This is. This is definitely like a human Ish situation. Thing, yeah. yeah. So he called it's it a in. Sasquatch. <laughs> if only. So he called it in. Um. It just really haunts me because that logging road, I'll have to take you up there sometime. It's not just across the street from my friend's house. It's, you walk out of her house and it's from here to not even to where I parked my car. Right, right, right. right. You know, it's very close. Anyways, I just can't believe she was there the whole time. Um, Anyway, they found her after DNA evidence. Uh, It was in dental records. It was her. This is where things get tricky. So she was found um, in Glide. Now, Dale Wayne Hill was not, he was no longer, he was still the main suspect. He was no longer being um, interrogated. I mean, the case was cold. He was uh, now at this point in Reno. Uh, Again, he had been arrested for failing to register as a felon, a convicted felon, when her body was found. Funny that her body was found, um... Well, uh, right next to his parents' house. Okay. So they live right next to this logging road. So that tied him in very directly to the case again. Again, could be a weird coincidence. You're having a couple coincidences pile up now, though. It was enough for Douglas County to actually make an arrest. And they were able to, um, once he got out of prison in Reno, they were able to somehow, what, extradite him or something to Oregon? Yeah, we have, you know... Um, and they, he, Interstate law. he went on trial for the murder, the kidnapping and murder of Stephanie Cotton. Okay. He was, uh, after, like, during the trial, it was not very long, I recall. He uh, was found not guilty by the jury. So he was let go. He moved to Reno because the community was disgusted. It ruined his reputation. Yeah, no he shit. Was, <laughs> when he came back from Reno, he was living with his parents, right? It was... If I recall, because I drove past his parents' house all the time as a kid, and they were about two miles from the logging road. Two, okay. Two miles west of the logging road. Cute little house, horses and shit. Yeah, his parents didn't do it. But anyways. So he's found not guilty. He moved to Oregon. That's Or to Reno, pardon me. That's where he was at last I heard, and I'm assuming he is never going back to Riddle. After that, because I will tell you, the town would not have him back, I'm sure. Okay. They would not. So that's it. That's the case is closed. That's the case. Um, There's one other thing that happened as a result of the case, and that's in 2012. 
Marty, Stephanie's dad, um, committed suicide in their house. Okay. And so now he um, obviously is not living. Uh, the only person <laughs> yes. left is the mother and Stephanie's little brother. So it's just a very, very sad, very sad case. Hmm. Yeah. It's a long way away to find the body. Yeah. Took 11 years, and then the killer who, there was never really any hard evidence against him. It was all kind of speculative. Um, Killer was not brought to justice, if that was the killer. Uh, If not, still the killer was never brought to justice. And uh, then the dad shot himself in the home. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty flimsy evidence against this guy, from what it sounds like. Yeah, and they wouldn't say what this evidence was. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like bullshit. He may be stopped by the house. He knew the cousin. He was a robber. He had robbed a couple places. Yeah, but... I'm telling you, rural Oregon, that's pretty common in general. And he did steal someone's underwear, which is kind of creepy. Well, more than kind of. That's very creepy. But I'll say the fact that his parents' house... In that area, there's not a ton of houses up there. But knowing the area, too, that is deep in the middle of nowhere. That it, I mean, where that body was found, it was like, it took 11 years. That's, I mean, yeah, there's I mean, nothing well, this going is, on This there. is very indicative. My friend of... lived at the end, kind of the end of that, past that. People don't really live out there. Well, look, I mean, you know, you've had this all the time. In Oregon and Washington, yeah. Idaho, Ma- Montana. Well, I mean, these the are places. The Pacific Northwest is is like the murder capital of the country. Well, just just yeah. the West. Period. Like you just have a huge amount the of Pacific land. The Pacific Northwest is. No, but I'm saying than... land space. Yeah, yeah. No. We don't have towns upon towns. It's not Europe. There's you know no. towns upon towns upon towns. So it's extraordinarily next... easy to get rid of something out here. Yeah. The we... next town after that logging road, if you go on that same road, I don't even know, and I'm from that area. I don't know what's beyond that because nobody would go out there because you're going to run out of gas. You're going to get lost. You're not going oh, on out. Logging road, logging road, logging road, and just little river going on. I don't even know what happens back there because there's no just reason to go out there. Dead ends into another logging road, or turns into something road. else. Yeah, it's just there's. I mean, there's just a lot of like forest hide shit, right? Freeze and mist and fog and whatever. And that even hides. if you're in one mapped out area. When you look around, if you're not sure where you're it's at, hard you're to done. Comprehend. You're gone. It's hard to comprehend. Yeah. All right. You okay. want to give us our final little fun yeah, fact? Yeah. This is short um, because the Stephanie Conning case breaks my heart. And this isn't actually in Riddle. It's on the outskirts of Riddle. It's just north of it, right on the in between Riddle and Roseburg. It's called the Moses Parrot House. This is a house that is uh, octagon kind of shape, Victorian style. It was built in uh, 1891. It was pink for many many years which we all laughed about as children for some reason because it was the pink silly house or whatever a large large house everybody as a child always we always talked about it being haunted none of us ever went there so how we knew i don't know it's just like rumors that that's the haunted house sure you don't go there uh it was named after moses parrot who moved to the usa from wales in the mid-1800s from Wales. He's a shoemaker, uh, was a shoemaker. He's very successful. He had the house made for him, um, and it was completed for him in 1891. And he was married to a woman named Tennessee, which is a little weird considering our last podcast uh, featured a man with a woman named Virginia Tennessee. <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyways, he they had 10 children in that house. Jesus. <laughs> 
I'm surprised he fucked something besides sheep. What? Why? Because he's Welsh. That was a uh, Welsh sheep fucker joke for you kids at home keeping score. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, gee. Um, anyways, the house, what's funny about it is now I really want to go there because there's literally no information on it. Okay. And it's a house I saw all the time growing up. There's nothing on it. On the internet, it just says haunted house, the Moses Parrot house. It's essentially like two sentences on every site. I'm like, okay, but why? I read some Because stuff. some kid said it was haunted, just like you. You're the reason why. You want to go in it at three in the morning? Do you want to start this conversation again and go up there with me at three in the morning? I'm not engaging mo- you. Yeah, because you're afraid. Deep down somewhere, you think there's a possibility things are haunted. Or you wouldn't be afraid. Love you. But you are a born realist. I'm just going to let your sentences trail off into nothing. All right. Okay. So, a couple things. People, Rosa Parrot was the last person in the Parrot family to live there. She was the youngest of the ten children. She was the first uh, head of the women's club in Roseburg or whatever. Like, it was okay. a very well-to-do family. Rumor has it that Rosa was buried in the basement there when she died. Okay. I don't know if that's true. I don't know who made that up. There were like, that was like the fourth sentence of the five sentences I could find. Okay. Many people have lived there since then and then nobody lived there for years and years and years and it was nothing. Like it, it was just kind of a, somebody owned it but did nothing with it. Um, people have heard disembodied voices, footsteps, people have seen apparitions. When I was a kid, there was this rumor that there was like a headless Victorian looking woman who you would see in the halls or whatever. Again, I don't know who came up with that. People also have mentioned that there are blood stains that appear that, like, won't go away, but then suddenly they're gone at one point. Like, you can't wash them away, and then they just disappear. Another thing is that uh, somebody who owned the house, and I think owns it now, which there's an interesting end to this story, uh, there's a turret in the house, which is a center, like, um, a little tower. So it's like an octagon-shaped Queen Anne kind of style house, and it has this weird little tower in the middle. And she said... Every year around the end of October. Oh, how appropriate. <laughs> it's never. Oh, at the end of May! About a thousand black little flies swarm in the turret. Um, flies in bulk like that are signs of uh, paranormal activity or demon possession. Good to know. Keep that in my mind. <laughs> okay, honey. So that happens now, which I'm very excited about and I think we should go to. The. Um, Moses Parrot House has been turned into a farm-to-table restaurant. Of fucking course. <laughs> so, who They knows, actually use the flies to help brew kombucha. Ah, it is Oregon, so maybe. That's, that's the joke. But uh, it's not pink anymore. They've painted it this kind of white color. Yes, you Did they, they pickle the yes. remains? I don't know. Um, They're going to pickle cats if you come over here. <laughs> Watch out, Moses' parrot house will get you, the flies will get you. But anyways, that's just a little quippy thing about this haunted house kind of near Riddle, but when I looked up Riddle Haunted, it was literally nothing. And I'm like, mm, bet there's a lot of natives haunting the area. I would. <laughs> Feels a little intolerant. It's not intolerant. That's all those first world people do is haunt shit. And build casinos. <laughs> no. And get drunk. Not what I meant. <laughs> All my native ancestors are rolling in their graves. Anyway, that's uh, the story of Stephanie Condon, story of the Moses Parrot House, and Hannah Nickel Mine. I forgot to mention the prunes. 
prunes. They brewed. They brewed. Lol. They grew. <laughs> they a, just still prunes. Like the Cow Creek Valley had a ton of prune farms. Like I found that Where'd of note go? in the historical records for the city. I don't know. It's not profitable anymore. Probably because you can get prunes cheaper somewhere else. Both World War Two, they were growing up absolute fuck ton. And through the war, they were growing a shit ton of prunes. So there you go. From mm. prunes to grapes, they're keeping along a trend. Wrinkly substances. <laughs> I'm right. And from the Moses Parrot House to the Stephanie Condon murder. Good old times in Douglas County.